0: the session on teaching on Revelation chapter 5 and probably half of 6. So we'll just start with the prayer. I had told you before that if you need to understand the book of Revelation, your heart should be absolutely completely free to receive. If your heart is full of anger and bitterness and envy and hatred or of anything, God is not able to pour any of his revelation inside of our heart so before we start this teaching we will say one i confess and then we will start so those who know it by heart or those who don't know can look up at the screen and we'll start with i confess i confess to almighty god and to you my brothers and sisters that i have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words in what i have done and what i have failed to do I to my Through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever Virgin, all angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. Amen. Thank you, O God, that as we empty ourselves of everything that is not from your kingdom, Lord, we prepare our heart to receive your word. Our hearts are open and to receive every word that you speak and every word that you speak goes inside my heart and it stays there, O Master. And the same for everyone who's listening to this teaching, O Master, that you make it so very easy that all of them are able to understand and they're going to apply and they should know the signs of the time and they shall not be scared or unprepared for your second coming and they shall come up to rise up to meet you to go to the eternal house that you have prepared for each and every one of us. We make this prayer in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So now we come to Revelation chapter 5. This is actually a continuation of the vision that uh, John was shown in chapter 4 what he saw that he was taken up to heaven and it it continues the vision continues in chapter 5 in chapter 4 it's more about God the father and chapter 5 is more about God the son that is Jesus so we'll go to the first verse of chapter 5 verse 1 then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back sealed with seven seals then i saw that i is john so john is writing this i saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne so who is seated on the throne god the father is seated on the throne and who is on the right side of god the father it is jesus here on the throne and in there he had seen a scroll now what do you mean by a scroll now if you take a scroll a scroll could either be a book It could be a proper thick book or it could be just a paper which you roll it up and uh, they have matter which is written inside. Like if you take a paper and if I roll it, say if I roll it, So there is a matter which is inside which you can't see but there is matter which is even outside and what they used to do they used to take the wax and they would seal the edges, seal the edges of the scroll it is sealed so that nobody else could add anything into it. Once it was written the matter was written it was complete so that nobody else could you know, add anything into it, they would seal it very tight, almost, it varies. The Romans, uh, you know, when they used to uh, seal the scrolls, they would seal it seven times. But the Hebrews would seal it three times. It varies. Why the number seven is taken over here? Because in the Bible, and especially in the book of Revelation, the seven is a complete number. So whatever was inside this was incomplete, finished, over deed, it is done. So, the scroll was basically what it was like a um, a contract which could be, you know, any contract. It could be a business contract, it could be a rental contract, it could be a lease, or it could even be a marriage contract. So what they will do, whatever the contract was between those two people, they would write all the matter inside it, and then they would seal it, saying that it is done. After all the signature is put and authorized and everything, now it is done, the deed is done. So, but what they write about uh, about the scroll written here was, that the scroll was written on the inside and also on the back. So it was not only written on the inside, There was also a lot of uh, material which was written on the outside of the screen. So probably inside of the screen contained a detailed list of the deal between the two people. What was supposed to take place and what was outside. In the outside it was written only the summary of the deal. So what was in the inside was in detail. Like suppose you're giving a house for contract or something like that, then maybe inside you will write, this is between uh, this is the lesser, this is the leasee who's picking up the house, and this is their house, this is their family, this is the address, and this is the rooms, and everything you will write, everything in detail inside. And what you will write outside means you will just write the contract uh, between XYZ and you know ABC, something like that. So that is outside is just a summary, and these people are taking the house for a year or whatever. The summary of it was on the outside. But So this, there was so much to write that even there was material on the outside of the deed. And the scroll which is taken probably here, they say this is the title deed of the entire earth. It was the deed of the entire, like if you have a lease of your house or the details of your house, this particular scroll contained the title deed, the main deed, main house paper, the main deed of the entire earth. And it was sealed with seven seals. So I said like how the Roman soldiers, they were sealing with several seals. Here the number seven is a sign of completeness. Complete uh, seals uh, or whatever was inside it, it's completed, finished, completed work of heavenly work. Not of the earthly work, but a completed work of what the heaven had in store for the earth. And uh, these seals, they could be opened like one at a time. Or the entire seven seals also could be open at one time. Either you can open it in one. So suppose there is a seal. You have written something. There is a seal over here. I roll it and I remove the seal from here. So only what is written here I can read. Then when I have to go to the second one, I have to roll it more till I reach the second seal. When I open that wax, remove the wax, then I will be able to get the second part and I have to do that to get the entire message. Did you understand? So when you open a little of the seal, you can get the first message. So that's why there is a seven seals. So each time the seals were removed, they got those seven messages. Okay. So now the second, uh, the part of the chapter 5 verse 2 is, so he sees first uh, the throne he sees the right hand of God the Father who sits at the right hand Jesus on Jesus' hand there is a scroll and the scroll is having seven seals and after that he sees I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals the identity of this mighty angel is not known but most probably it is angel Gabriel because the word Gabriel when it is translated it means the strength of God the word Gabriel means means the strength of god so probably it is the angel gabriel who's standing there and talking with a loud voice saying who is there to open the seals and why we can think it is angel gabriel is because if you look back at uh, the book of daniel chapter 8 verse 19 when i spoke to you about daniel daniel had a vision and one of the last visions that he had was uh, you know in each of the vision whichever he saw the vision of nebuchadnezzar of the tree and of the rock coming and hitting the tree and everything he was uh, given the interpretation of the of the dream in his sleep and he would go back and tell it to the king the next day and that way his life and the life of the other people was saved are you understanding but this last vision is the vision he has of the ram and the goat he has a vision of the ram and goat and he also has a vision If you go uh, read Daniel chapter 8, uh, 17 and 19, it is all about the wrath of God and how the world is going to come to an end. Daniel 8, when you go to Daniel 8 and you read uh, from 8 to 19, you can see Daniel... Is, uh, whatever he sees in the vision is so scary and he is so frightened that angel Gabriel comes to give him that assurance and to explain what the dream is all about. So Daniel was given the dream about the end of the world in at the time of Daniel and that time who came and gave him the interpretation it is angel Gabriel so it is expected now also John is going to go and he has to see what the world how what is going to happen at the end how the wrath of God is going to be poured out what is going to happen and for that again angel Gabriel comes to give them understanding to to be there to be present over there so it's probably angel Gabriel who comes proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy Two, open the scroll and break its seal. And verse three, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And they found he, from angel Gabriel, is standing there in heaven, and he's saying, he's, the whole of the expanse of the created universe is under him. He can see the earth, he can see under the earth, he can see whole of heaven, and he's saying, is there anyone? who is worthy, who can come and open the scroll. And the whole of earth is looking up. The whole of the creatures under the earth is looking up. And whole of heaven with his angels and with everyone there is looking up. There is not one person who comes forward and says, Yes, I am worthy. I am going to open the sea. I am there. I am worthy. I am going to open this. There is no one. He finds no one. And the moment he finds no one, what happens to John? What verse 4 says, and I began, as I is John, he began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Now John is so so sad, he's broken, he's weeping, He says weeping bitterly why, because what happened? Just now he was taken on a journey, he was sitting in the island of Patmos, you know, he was seen the he was shown the resurrected Christ and now he's taken up to see the heavenly kingdom and he sees the throne of God, he sees the 24 elders worshipping the 4 living creatures and then he says so amazing and then he sees the right hand of God and then he sees a scroll and moment he sees a scroll, he knows it's a deed it's something very, very valuable and what is written inside of the deed Will be the fate of the whole universe, and he knows whatever is written in that is uh, when it is exposed, when it is brought to the knowledge of us, we will know about the whole world. And now, like he comes to the you know, oh, somebody's going to read it and you know, going to tell me what's going to happen. And the moment he reaches that point, somebody's going to open and read it, somebody's going to open and read it, but they didn't find anyone there. So when he says, Oh my god, probably nobody is worthy to open it. Nobody is going to open it. I will not get to know what is inside this. The most important document that he can't take it, he starts weeping bitterly. You understand? Then verse 5, Then one of the elders said to me, so one of the elders is one of the 24 elders present over there. Just one of them, they have not mentioned which one. I told who were the 24 elders? There were 12 from the 12 tribes of uh, Israel and 12 apostles. So one of them comes to John's rescue and says, do not weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So when John starts weeping, one one of the 24 elders comes to his rescue and he says, don't cry, don't cry. Stop crying. There is one person and he is worthy and he will be able to open the seal and tell what is inside the seal so there are two two verses which are very important that is one is the line of the tribe of judah and the second is the root of david so line of the tribe of judah this particular word comes only once in the bible before and that is in genesis in the book of genesis chapter 49 if you take verse 8 to 12 so this is jacob is going to die and before jacob is going to die he talks to all his sons He's telling them just before he is dying, he is telling them what is going to happen. He gives the blessings to all his people. So we'll read from chapter 49, verse 8. Judah, your brothers, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches down, he stretches out like a lion. Like a lioness who dares rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him and the obedience of the people in his. The entire uh, verse from 8 to 10 is talking about that the tribe of Judah was the kingly tribe. The Judah was not the oldest son. Judah was not the oldest son. Usually the the custom was the oldest kid would get the, you know, uh, like the father dies, everything goes to the oldest son, he is the main heir to it. But Judah comes only fourth or fifth in the line, probably middle fourth, fifth in the line, he is the fifth son in the line. And, but to Judah the tribe of Judah is all that he says all your other people means all the other 11 brothers or the tribes will bow down to you and you will be the one who is going to rule and this is a like you know a precursor of talking about Jesus the Jesus who comes from the line of Judah because from the tribe of Judah comes David and from David only comes Jesus so it is the lineage of Judah so the lineage of Judah is a kingly lineage that everyone who is from the tribe of Judah would remain to be a king. From the tribe of Judah would be a king and the kingdom will never come to an end. And from that kingdom would come... Jesus. So this is an indication that the line of the tribe of Judah is, is Jesus. Jesus. And the other word he says is what? He says the root of David. That is, you see in Isaiah 11, verse chapter. What is written in Isaiah 11, 1? A shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse. A shoot shall come out from the stock of Jesse means a child will come forth from Jesse. So who is the child of Jesse? David. And a branch shall grow out of his root. So they said David is the root. From it, a branch will come out and that branch is Jesus okay so both the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of Jesse are the same person it is Jesus so he says don't worry do not weep see the line of the tribe of Judah that is Jesus the root of David, that is again Jesus, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So what is conquered means, he has won the battle against Satan. He has won the battle against Satan and now he is worthy and he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So moment, uh, you know, this this talk is given by the twelve, by one of the elders. What does uh, John see? Then John sees that verse 6, Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So when John is told that there is a lion of Judah coming, there is a root of Jesse coming, immediately he sees that they are all inside. Within the throne, he sees God the Father, then he sees the twelve 24 elders he sees those four living creatures and in between them there is a lamb coming out and this lamb does not look just like an ordinary lamb it looks like it has been beaten and bruised it looks looks like it had been slaughtered like someone which has got been every part of the body somebody has whipped and cut and you know torn the entire limb to limb apart it is not like a normal lamb it's like a lamb that has been slaughtered but it is not dead it is alive and he sees this lamb coming out now you will wonder what was told to him it was told to him that the lion of judah would come a lion would come so he is expecting to see a lion coming out but he is so amazed to see there is no line coming it's a lamb coming from there and this is the lamb that is coming and this lamb also looks completely slaughtered but you don't have to take pity on the lamb because the lamb doesn't look like you need to be it like or something because the lamb has got seven horns and seven eyes now what is the difference between a, a lion and a lamb now when jesus was uh, uh, supposed to come on earth. What were the people expecting uh, Jesus to be like? Like a king. They expected a king would come in full glory, and he would take them and you know rescue them from the, the people who were troubling them, from all the the country the, uh, they were staying in, from the Romans. That he would uh, you know come as a um, you know king with his uh, weapons, and he would destroy them and lead his people into safety, and he would give them into the promised land and give them everything. So they were expecting a king. And king will truly come. But not now. He would come at the second coming. When the second coming he will come, he will come as a king. And how did he come in the first coming? He came as a lamb. As someone very simple, humble, humility came to be sacrificed. He didn't come to conquer the world as a king, as a lion, but he came as a lamb so that he could die for the sins of the whole world. Now, depends upon how we look up at him. If we are saved and we believe in Jesus Christ, when we look at Jesus, he will always be like the lamb for us. Are you understanding? But for a person who does not believe in Jesus, who is not saved, who refuses Jesus, he will come in as the lion. And when he come in as the lion, in the second coming, that time there will be no softness in him to say, I am willing to die for you because he's already finished the death he died for one and each and every one of us. But if we don't accept him as a lamb, then we will have to face the fury of him as a lion. Are you getting it? Did you understand? So why as a lion and why as a lamb? So it looks, it depends upon us how we look at him. John looked at him because he already was with Jesus and he knew, he knew, he lived with Jesus and he believed in Jesus. So for him, he came as a lamb. And the same for us, when we believe in him, Jesus will come to us as a lamb. But if we reject him, then the next time he is coming, that is the second coming, he is not going to come as a lamb, he is going to come as a lion. Praise God. And the seven horns, the seven horns, what do you say, are not typically horns. What does a horn mean? horn signifies power it signifies power and the seven is a complete number so you know the seven is a complete number so anything would have only one horn you remember even the dream that daniel had was of a ram and a goat and it had both of them had horns and that horns was a what's simplifi- it was signifying how it was about the greek kingdom and his horn was longer and it was Curve. I taught you that before. So the horn signifies power and that in Greece was the most powerful nation. Alexander ruled the whole world and he had only one horn. Okay, now how they are portraying Jesus as having seven horns. That means his power would surpass any of the kings of the world. And seven is a complete number. That's why the seven horns signifies the complete total power and authority of Christ. So though he comes as a lamb, he does not just come as a simple lamb to be pitied upon. He comes out as a lamb, but he is now the one who is having the power and authority. Okay, did you understand? And what are the seven eyes? What are the seven eyes, he says? That the seven spirits of God. So what are the seven spirits of God? Isaiah 11, 2, I told you. What are the seven spirits? The spirit of the Lord is upon you. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and mind. Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So this is, he comes in total understanding, total wisdom, total knowledge, completeness. So this lamb with the seven horns and the seven eyes, says he is the all in all there is nothing beyond him are you getting so he is coming in that appearance in front of john did you understand okay then he went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. He went is the lamb. The lamb. And the lamb is who? Is Jesus. So Jesus goes and takes the scroll from the right hand of one who is seated on the throne. Who is seated on the throne? God the Father. So from his hand he takes the scroll and he comes. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So, moment he took the scroll, what happened? The four living creatures were there in front of them, and the 24 elders they fell down in front of the lamp and they started worshipping the lamb. And each of them, now that is the four living creatures and 24 elders, they had a harp in their hand. Now, what is a harp? Harp is a mute musical, it's a string, musical instrument, yeah, which you play. And who's to play that? David is very common to see. David is to play that. When Saul is to get obsessed with some demonic spirits and he would want someone to come and comfort him, then David would be called and David would bring his harp and he would play the music and it would calm down. It would calm down Saul completely, you know. So even the harp is used. Whenever God's people sang songs of praises and everything, you see that the harp is used. And also when the first king was anointed, who was the first king to be anointed? Saul was the first king to be anointed and Samuel went to anoint Saul. So when Samuel went to anoint Saul, the harp was played. Not only the harp, there were a few other instruments played. To tell what? That before he is going to anoint Saul, before he is going to take the oil and pour it, you know, the priestly anointing that you pour it down, it will go on the beard, it will go on the ears, it will fall down under the rope. Before he would anoint, anoint that person, the harp would be played and then the prophet, that is Samuel, would say the prophecy over Saul. Saul Saul was the first king. Now the harp is being played so that to say now the prophecy of the, the king of kings is going to be fulfilled. Are you understanding? The harp is being played now to say that was the first king on earth for him, before Samuel could anoint him and before he could prophesy over him, they played the harp and other instruments. But harp was the main instrument. So now again the harp is being played to say that the prophecy that was given over the first king, now there is going to be no other king. He is, Jesus is the king of kings and that prophecy is getting fulfilled completely today in Jesus. Are you getting it? Yeah. So, and that, that is the meaning of the harp and a golden ball full of incense. Now what is a golden ball? It is a golden ball. It's made of gold. It's a wide, it's a huge bowl which has got a very big mouth. It doesn't have a narrow mouth. It's got a very big mouth and this, uh, you know, golden in this ball is very commonly seen in the tabernacles which were kept on the temples in the Old Testament. They were there and incense was burnt in them. So burning incense is part of the ritual of the you know which is commonly used to take place in uh, the temples in the olden testament and we do follow that in the catholic church we also have the burning of the incense it's, it's following the same pattern now what does this burning of incense signify why would they burn incense so every day twice a day the priest the priest the levites would take this A huge golden ball, which is uh, you know, wide mouth, and they would place it in front of the Holy of the Holies. Holy of the Holies is a the whole place is divided into three parts, right? What are the three parts? three parts of the holy of holies inside is the, we sing the song no i come into your yeah, yeah, yeah. holy of the holies here, yes the inner court yes the outer court, the outer court there yeah. is the inner court and then the holy of holies okay that is how and the holy of holies nobody could enter only the main priest he could enter only only once he couldn't just go in every day and come out and when he is going he would be tied up because if there was any sin found him he would fa- be he will just fall down dead and nobody could even go in and bring him out. So they should drag him out with the the rope which was tied on his leg. So that holy of holies, there is a curtain over there. So in front of the holy of the holies, the priest would stand and they would burn incense twice a day. Signifying what? The incense when it is burned. So when you burn the incense, you know, nice uh, smell, like you get a nice smell. Fragrance comes out and that would go in. And what did this signify? This incense carried the prayers of all the people who were present in the tribe at that time. So whenever we burn incense in front of, you know, God or we pray we burn incense, that incense means that that incense, that uh, the uh, smoke or the fragrance that is coming out are our prayers. And all those prayers are being taken into the presence of God. So it is signifying that our prayers reach God in the form. So it was uh, symbolized by burning incense you understanding so twice a day they would do that and here he says what happens each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints now who are the saints everyone who believes thank you sister everyone who believes in Jesus is called a saint and what is the prayer of all the saints What what, what is every saint praying for they are praying for let thy kingdom come Let thy kingdom come. So that prayer is going directly into God the Father, into his presence. That this many people are praying for you. So the harp and the golden ball of incense, you understood? Yeah, you understood, right? you understood yeah okay so all this is taking place and then they sing a new song they sing a new song a new song means something which they never sang before it's something new about it they never sang the song before and the song goes you're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal they're talking about jesus for you were slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed for god saints from every tribe and language and people and nation this is saying jesus paid the price. He shed his blood and by his shedding of blood he has ransomed means he was a ransom that was paid to God and because of the ransom that he paid to God he could take people from every language every tribe every nation and take them to God so you have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving a God and they will reign on earth okay So when we see the prayer that is in Revelation chapter 5 and see the prayer that was in Revelation chapter 4, when you see the Revelation uh, 4 prayer, it is written as, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is to come, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created so this song that they were singing in Revelation chapter 4 is a song of praise and it is all about God's work of creation it is about God's work of creation And but when we see the song in Revelation chapter 5 that is, it is your word that you your worthy to take the scroll and to open the seal for you were slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed for God, saints from every tribe, every language, every nation and every people and you made a kingdom this emphasis is on God's work of redemption. The first song they sang was God's work of creation. And here it is God's work of redemption. Are you understanding? The songs are different. And after that, we have, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice. Then he says, Till that time, who were present in the throne? He saw God the Father, he saw the 24 elders and the four living creatures. So once they started singing this praise, suddenly he looks around and he can see innumerable angels. Till then he could not see them. But now he could see innumerable angels. And the angels then start singing the song. This previous song was sung by who?
1: Who
0: sang the song? Who sang the song? They all sang a song. Means who? The 24 24. elders. Four beasts. They sang the song. After that song was sung, then the angels suddenly come into the picture. Now angels will sing a song. Why angels can't sing the song of redemption? Because there is no redemption for angels. There is no redemption. They didn't commit any sin. They are not human beings. They don't have any that God had to purchase them with a price. We are beyond the human beings who were created are beyond the angels. You understanding? Angels only have a limited authority. God has given more authority to us. So you understand? The angels can only do something but they are not redeemed by the blood of Christ so that's why they don't sing the song of redemption they will come into the picture now and they sing what worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and mind and honor and glory and blessing what are they singing they are glorifying God saying yes he deserves everything he is worthy to be praised then after the angels come in what does he hear then i heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever so after the angels have come into the sea now he sees every living In on earth, under the earth, everything now, all of them are praising God. See, when the scene opened first, what did Angel Gabriel speak to? He spoke to the everyone, he said, Is there anyone worthy? in heaven on earth under the earth is anyone worthy so it means that everybody is looking up to see what's happening because everyone eyes every eye on earth is looking up to heaven to see what is going to take place and moment they find Jesus so first the elders start praising him after the elders and the bees start praising him the first they have redeemed they will redeem their praise him then the angels will praise him and now all the creations everyone praise the Lord and at that the four living creatures said Amen and the elders fell down and worshipped under the earth means all the living creations means the the fishes and things every creation of God is praising God they all know that he is the creator they get they are the knowledge they have the knowledge of it we may deny Christ but the creation knows it's Creator. Amen. You understood that? So everything is not only human beings, every creature every every bird every animal everybody is praising God to praise God so we are done with chapter 5 now we come to the main thing of chapter 6 this is the seven seals this is the seven seals I told you about the seals what well, it is a scroll that is folded up it has got wax that is uh, seven seals are there and as you open each seal you will come to know the what is mentioned in the seven seals so the seven seals are chapter 6 verse 1 then I saw the lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures call out, as with the voice of thunder, come. So then he sees a lamb, that is lamb is Jesus. He opens one of the seed. he removes the wax, opens one of the seal, and he opens it and then John hears one of the four living creatures. So one of the four creatures, one of the four creatures says, he calls out as with the voice of thunder, as with the voice of thunder means it is not thunder, but sounds like thunder, means it's so loud and it is so powerful and majestic by nature. He says, come. So John is standing somewhere Now, uh, you know, the living creature is telling John, come. Means he has to shift his position from where he was standing and go closer. So he has to come now and he says now… He come when he comes there the second verse is I looked so John is looking he's looked and there was a white horse its rider had a bow a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer so now this is like a movie inside a movie like this is not a scene that is taking place right over there see okay they are all standing over there now they are he is going to show him something that is not happening happening at that time but he's going to show them a scene or a scenario that that is going to take place it's like you standing there and now you look into a into the future you can see like you can imagine if you can imagine like you know you are going in uh, all these movies which have you no know, and they want to see the future so you uh, you go and you sit it's all uh, all uh, the negative uh, part because you're not supposed to look into the future but just to give you an idea so what would that medium do she would have a you know globe or something and she will make some then you have the lights and all flashing inside and suddenly when you look in through that you can see the future. You see the, what is happening, somebody is walking, this is happening, somebody is coming to kill or murder or something. That is You are looking into the future. So this is the same thing. The scene is not taking place at that time. But he is given a vision. He is given a scenario to see. So when the first scenario is happens, when he opens the first scene and what scenario he sees is, he sees a white horse there is a rider sitting on the white horse he has a bow not a bow which you wear on your co- he has a bow, is a weapon he has a weapon and he has also what? Crown. a crown was, he has taken a crown and he comes out to conquer and to conquer. Now to understand this book of uh, the seals what the seals mean we have to understand Matthew 24 because it's an exact duplicate of the scripture that has come in Matthew 24 It's Matthew 24. What Matthew told in the gospel is the same thing that happens in the seals. So all the seals are related in the same sequence as it was told in Matthew. So when we go to Matthew, I will take chapter 24. Verse 3, it's a signs of the end of the age, how the world is going to end. So when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, he is Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will this be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age so the disciples are coming to him they know the world is going to end in some time they don't want to ask this question in, you know, in public in front of everybody when it is going to happen so they come to him privately when he's sitting on the mountain asking him master tell us What will be the sign? And how will we know it is the end of the age? So what did Jesus say? Jesus answered them, Beware that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. This is the beginning of the birth pangs. When many people take the book of Revelation and come to the opening of the seals, they say it is a tribulation the it is a it is a the the end the great tribulation talking about the great tribulation no but up till verse 5 it is not the great tribulation the great tribulation starts only from verse 6 onwards till great five, till the uh, verse 5 till the fifth seal till he opens the fifth seal it is about the tribulation there are tiring times there are troubles there are tribulations there are afflictions but it is not the great tribulation so you understanding so in this sequence when you see the first thing jesus tells them is a the Messiah, false Messiah will come then second he says there will be wars there will be rumors of war third he says there is going to be famine and the last he says there is going to be earthquakes you understand it? so this first four seals because I would like to finish the first four seals so I will touch with that only so the first four seals did you understand that? so when he opens the first seal what does he see? he sees a horse in a a rider in a white horse when you take the rider in a white horse in the book of Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 you go to the who is the rider on the white horse? it is Jesus I will read, read it for you no revelation chapter 19 19 verse 11 19 verse 11 the entire the chapter is the rider on the white horse Then I saw heaven open and there was a white horse. Its rider is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is talking about Jesus because he is faithful and true and he is coming on a white horse. So when we see this white horse, we also assume that it is Jesus. But what did Jesus tell first? Beware. Beware because false prophets will come in my name. So someone who is masquerading as Jesus. That means he is not Jesus. He is not the Christ. He is the Antichrist. Are you understanding? So this rider who is going to come... On a white horse is going to take the people, and people will look at this rider and say, That is Jesus, come. And many people will follow him, but he is not Jesus, he is the Antichrist, he's like a satanic dictator. And he has a what? He has a bow, and his bow is more, it's a weapon. It's a weapon, he's going to have war. It's signifying war. And the thing, he has a crown was given to him. A crown was given to him. So that means he didn't have the crown. A crown was given to him. Now who would give a crown to him? Who given crown to him? If you go to Revelation chapter 13. When you go to Revelation chapter 13, you will find out that the first beast comes into play. And this first beast will give the crown to the Antichrist. It is the beast who is present on earth at that time will give a crown to the antichrist. Means will give him authority, and he will take the authority. And the people who are, you know, know Jesus also will get completely confused. They will think this is the real Messiah, and many will go after him, and they will be lost. You understanding? So the one who comes in verse chapter six is. is the antichrist so the, the rider in the white horse here is not the real Jesus but someone who is masquerading as Jesus and he is the antichrist and he will come he is like a dictator and the dictator will take over complete control of the world he has not given complete he will not rule the nation but he will try because the beast gives him the authority he gives him the crown and the authority and he will rule over the nation. So that is the first seal. And then second thing is, second is when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature call out that is one of the second living creatures calling out come same thing he says come and out came another horse which was bright red in color his rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that the people would slaughter one another and he was given a great sword now another horse he sees now every horse and the rider does not signify a person the first horse and the rider signified the. Antichrist. But the other riders, when you have, a, you know, this next is a red, then you have a black horse, and you have a pale green horse. All don't signify a human being or a, a person. It signifies something here. The red color signifies war, and it signifies bloodshed. So there is going to be yes. war, and there is going to be yes. lot bloodshed that's why the horse is coming it's signified as a red horse and this horse is going to come and what the horse is going what the rider was given permission he was not only to take the peace away from the earth he didn't do he didn't fight he didn't fight he didn't have a war what he was given authority just take the peace away so if you take peace away what is left behind who is the author of all peace Jesus. Jesus. When Jesus is there, peace is there. So you take away Jesus, you take away peace. What is left behind? Confusion and anger and war. The moment confusion starts in, then they will start fighting with each other. They start killing each other. So what the rider did, he only took away peace. And the moment the peace was taken away, the people went into war. And what I spoke in Matthew chapter 24, the second thing that will happen was first is that Antichrist will come. The second he said, there would be war. They will be fighting among nations and nations and every people will be fighting you know actually from world war ii till now almost 150 wars have been fought from the time the world war ii took place till now almost 150 wars of has taken place and more than trillions of you know dollars has been spent only in warfare So, the warfare has been going on because peace has been remote. Now you can hear, you know, every country, sitting over here also, and there's so many countries in India itself, they're in war. We hear of how many of us soldiers are dying. We are fighting with our neighbors. The neighbors are fighting with us. There is war going in the Middle East. There is war going in Africa. There is war going in, uh, you know, with America sending and supporting war in Israel, Iran. War all over the world. Everywhere you see, there is war. Why? Because the peace has been taken away from the earth so there will be war that is the one of the signs of the tribulation not the great tribulation but the tribulation so did you understand then we come to the third seal when he opened the third seal I heard the third living creature. So each time one living creature is coming and declaring, calling out. And the third living creature came out and said, come. And again I looked, that is John looked, and there was a black horse. Its rider held a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's pay, and three quarts of barley for a day's pay, but do not damage the olive oil and the wine. Okay, so now you have to understand. When he opened the third seal, what did he see? He saw a black horse. Now when you see something that is black in color, what comes into your mind? Black is dark, gloomy, and days uh, days of nothingness emptiness lack it signifies everything negative a black signifies negative so it is scarcity it signifies famine that there is going to be a time of complete famine there will be lack and its rider held a pair of scales in his hand you know scales you hold and you like when you go to buy vegetables or something so there's a scale of one kg and then the person puts one kg of carrot or potato and he weighs the scale and when it comes to the proper you uh, know balance so that much of one kg of whatever you bought is given to you. So it's a scale. A scale also means here that now whatever will be given to you will be rationed. Whatever you will be, no, no, it will be rationed means you cannot buy in plenty. There is a great, uh, you know, uh, demand is more, but supply is very, very less. The food will not be present in much. The food will not be much present. So, and how he gives explanation is, he gives explanation says, a quart of wheat for a day's pay. Now you go back to the scripture, when Jesus was teaching about to the disciples, he says the people came to work and they had to work the entire day. And the entire day, what would they get? They would get a, a penny or a dinarius. That means the day's pay was equal to one denarii or one penny or one quart. It was the, the scale that they measured. Like suppose a, you take a, a person in India has to go to work. An unskilled labor goes to work. He has got no skill, he goes to work. So the end of the day, probably, how much will he take home? Maybe around 250 or 300, right? He's an unskilled labor. The minimum, uh, you know, the amount that is, uh, the government has put is say, around 250 rupees or 300 rupees. Like if you say in America, it would be 150 dollars or 100 dollars or some. I don't know, 100 bucks or whatever they say so suppose you say a man goes to work the entire day he's working he's laboring under the hot sun he's uh, worked very hard he comes back and he gets around 250 rupees or 300 rupees and with that money he has to go and feed his entire family so when he goes to the shop with the 250 or 300 rupees what he can buy is he can buy only a loaf of bread bread he can buy only one loaf of bread. That means so much of money he has to pay. He can buy only one. That means the food is not there in plenty. Many people want to buy that particular product. So people are willing to pay the money. I'll give you three hundred. and I want the bread because bread is less in supply. Like suppose there is a famine. You say there is no food available. No food is reaching Bangalore. So what we will do? We will instantly go to the nearest market and we'll say, I will pick up all the things. I need to stock up my fridge. I need my house. So give me bread. Give me this. Give me that. So what did the market fellow do? He will raise up the price. Is he going to give you the same price? The bread which was 20 rupees probably he will make it 40 and after an hour or two he will make it 100. After sometime he will make it 200. But people are willing to pay because they have nothing to eat. So this time of scarcity or famine is going to hit when even a full day's play if he takes he can only go buy a quart of what they say a quart of wow. barley. A quart means it is a measure of barley and that good if it is a good barley he will be able to buy only one quart that can pay. but if he you know, uh, uh, th- quarts, uh, three quarts of barley for a day's pay means if it's not a good quality, it's not a good uh, qu- quality of barley, he will be able to get very little three fourths of what he's normally supposed to get. Like instead of getting one foot thing, he will be only getting three fourths, means the famine will be so, so severe at that time. So every food will be rationed to the people over there. That is the meaning of the scales. So did you understand? So what was the thing that Jesus told the people? First you be, uh, be what will happen before the signs, before the end of times? The false prophet will come. The first seal is about the false prophet. The second is about war and will take place. The third is about the scarcity. this fam- famine will be there. And then we will go to the fourth seal. Before that, what does he say? But do not damage the olive oil and the wine do not damage the olive oil and wine there was a saying in the old now, now what we say roti kapda makan right what are the basic needs of a person is roti kapda makan so that time what was the thing is grain oil and wine grain oil and wine with grain they would eat with oil they will burn so that there is light and wine would be there it will take care of the thirst so these three things were most crucial for the people at that time those who lived at that time there was a grain oil and wine so grain is already rationed grain has already been rationed and what is uh, the, no, what, uh, what is um, third seed the living creature says but do not damage the olive oil and the wine means there will be so much of scarcity but it will not be complete famine even the olive oil and sorry, and the oil and the wine are still there, still available. Only the grain is completely rationed. Not complete total famine, but a great deg- degree of famine. But still, some part of it is rationed not racial it is still available so don't touch that so that is the third seal when he opened the fourth seal i heard the voice of the fourth living creature so the first three living creatures have come and spoken now the fourth living creature comes and says come again john goes and he looks and there was a pale green horse its rider's name was death only here they give the name of the rider and the rider's name was Death. death And hates followed with him. What is Hades? Is that the name of death? That is hell. Followed with him, they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, famine, and pestilence, and by the wild animals of the earth. And they were. He was given authority. Over one fourth of the earth. And now you see what is happening. You hear of earthquakes. When earthquake happens, do two, three people die? Or it's like hundreds and thousands of people die. When a volcano erupts, you hear hundreds and thousands of people die. And when there is a outbreak of a disease, pestilence is what? Any disease, a sickness, swine flu came, like you say, plague came. On some sicknesses which will erupt suddenly. We had now we have Nipah, the virus. So many people in from uh, uh, Kerala it started off uh, with the uh, with the bat, and uh, they're saying not to eat bananas and this and all that. Stuff. So there will be so many pestilence, so many wards and everything, and destructions of the people, and one fourth of the world will be destroyed by that. So you go back to Matthew 24, and if you read that again, you will realize that all this. Four things have to take place before the world comes to an end. So when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will this be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered them, Beware that no one leads you astray. So that is the first one. No one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah. So that is the Antichrist. And after that, and they will lead many astray. And then you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not alarmed for this must take place but the end is not yet so it means there will be the second seal is opened it's war and there will be rumors of war many wars will happen but he says the world is not going to come to an end till now the world is not going to come this all this is not God pouring down his wrath all this is not God pouring down his wrath and after that what will happen and then you will for nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and they will be famines. So that is the third seal is famines and earthquakes in various places. And this is but the beginning of the birth pants. Do I have five minutes? Yes. Yeah? You wanted to have the session? It's okay? No problem. Okay. I'll finish till the fifth seal. So the sixth seal. When the sixth seal comes it will be the great tribulation. So I can start with the seal till next time. So when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. So he opened the... Fifth seal chapter six, verse nine. Chapter 6 verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, that is Jesus opening the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, you know the altar, the souls of those who had been slaughtered for the word of God and for the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge and avenge our blood on the inhabitants of the earth? They were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer, until the number would be complete both of their fellow servants and of their brothers and sisters who were soon to be killed as they themselves had been killed. Okay, so when he opened the fifth seal, what does he see? He sees a altar. A huge altar means if you imagine the church and you take the altar and now you multiply it into the biggest altar. A huge altar. And under the altar he sees the souls of many thousands of people who are? Who have been slain slain. who killed them did jesus kill them no they were killed because because they followed the jesus so you understand god's wrath has not yet come if god's wrath had been poured out what would they say we are so happy lord you have have taken revenge but what do what does they say what what do the angels say how long will it be before you judge and avenge our blood on the inhabitants of the earth so they are crying out to the lord and saying lord we have been slaughtered for your word So how much more long should we wait before you judge those people, those wrong people who are on earth, before you judge. So this shows that till now, God's wrath has not been poured out. What pestilence has taken place, what wars are taking place is not the wrath of God understand god is still not pouring out his wrath this is a sequence of events that have to take place and after that after the sixth seal is open the sixth seal is the actual tribulation or the wrath of god that god is now going to pour out his wrath upon the whole earth till now it was just a sequence of trials and tribulation of a little smaller kind. When the wrath will stand, that time nobody will be able to stand against the wrath of God. Many people say, "No, you can cheat people and you can get away with it. But you cannot cheat God and stand. When you go against God and you stand, what you are going to face, you will not even be able to withstand or you can't even think or imagine what will come against you. So don't go as an enemy of God. Don't be in his path of wrath. So that wrath will open from Revelation 6. Now you will see what happens? Now I spoke about the Antichrist, and then I spoke about the wars and famines, the famines, and then the pestilence. And if you go to the verse 9 in chapter Matthew 24, he says, Then they will hand you over to be tortured and will put you to death. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. So the people who are present will be there, who are following Christ, will be handed over to be persecuted and to be put to death and that is the fifth the souls who are crying because they were put to death so you are realizing it follows exactly in order the way it was told in Matthew how the ends would be it's not even the end how it would be before the end They're the signs of the times so you you should not be put maybe there is uh, people are going to come and say I am I'm Jesus we are not supposed to run behind him maybe he comes in the white hordes and he looks like a king and the power has been given to him and we know Jesus is not going to come as a lamb. He's going to come as a, as a lion. So he may be his power. So we may be taken up by the power, but we should not go behind him. We will hear of wars. We will hear of famines. We will hear of people being killed. There are so many people who are being killed for Christ. Yes or no. All around the world you hear of people who have been murdered, chopped to death, persecuted because you are a Christian. You will be chopped to death. But that is still not the end. Still there is time to wait. And then what he says, then many will fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and because of the increase of lawlessness the love of money will grow cold but anyone who endures to the end will be saved anyone who endures to the end but doesn't give up on Christ will be saved doesn't mean that I have to be persecuted I have to be beaten up and if I survive till the end will I be saved he says no actually it means anyone even during the tribulation or anyone during the uh, time when the persecution is going on you say Lord you are my savior you are already saved understanding does not mean that i have to continue be taking the beatings getting the persecutions being killed being pushed around and having so much of pain and everything and only if i endure till the end will i be saved no it doesn't mean like that it means that anyone who calls on the name of jesus is already saved i may live till the end i may not live till the end it varies i may die i may be killed by the antichrist or i may die a natural death but that does not matter once i confess with my mouth that i believe in the lord god and savior I am already saved. So you understand? So it does not mean that I have to go through all the persecution and survive it all and then only I will be saved. No. Even through it all, if I am not able to go through the persecution, I am not able to withstand and if I live or if I don't live, if I die and I am killed, whatever it is, the moment I confess that Jesus is my savior, I am already saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as his testimony to all the nations and then then the end will come. Then what will happen? People are dead and the good news has to be proclaimed to all the ends of the earth. So the whole world, there should not be a single individual who says, I do not know about Jesus. There cannot be a single individual in the world, whether they are from Timbuktu or Africa or any part of Ireland or any part of uh, the tribes of India or Asia or anywhere. Every individual the gospel will be proclaimed to. They will be given a chance to repent and come back to Christ. After that, the end will come. And that will be the opening of the sixth seal. And that is called as the abomination of the desolation that is the sixth seal so did you understand till here I hope yes 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 we will bow did you understand the first the first five scenes no. it's easy yes no 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 those who are dead will not rise now they will rise only at the second coming of Christ there is no rising now all those who are living the gospel will be preached to all living creation all the people are present there, so there is no one who can say that they do not know about Christ. So they will be given a chance before the Lord pours down his wrath. Each, everyone will be given a chance before God pours down his wrath. You understood? Any other questions? Anything? If you have any doubt, the first five seals. I spoke about the first five seals. I'm thankful to God. I was thinking of only three seals I'll be able to complete, but you finished till five seals. So we have the sixth seal. I'm sorry. It's interesting. Praise God, sister. So happy to know you understanding. Anything you have any questions? Two minutes we have. If you have any doubts, we can clear. Huh. Yes. He sees him as a lamb, as a lamb that was sacrificed. Not a spirit. He's a person. He's a person. Is spirit, soul and body. Everything is there in Jesus. He's a. He's not a created being. He's like that. No one can look upon him. He can take any form. He can come as an eagle. He can come as a lamb. He can come as a lion. He can come as anything. Any of the created things is him. He can become anything. So he, how we look at him, John sees him as a lamb. And as a lamb, because he was told that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that is how he is supposed to be, that how we expected the king to come. But the people in Israel at the time were waiting for a king and they thought king will come as a lion from the tribe of Jude. So He will come as a very powerful king but he came as a lamb. But the second time when he comes again there are only two comings of Jesus. So the first is already over. The second is the final time. So there is no pre-rapture. I said there is no rapture and the people that I explained there is no pre-rapture. There is only one rapture and that rapture is the second coming of Jesus. So he will come once and for all when everything is finished. The entire totality, everything is over. Then he will come and then his people will be caught up with him in heaven. He is portrayed as a lamb. So what John sees him as a lamb coming. Because a lamb was a one the animal which was given for sacrifice in the Old Testament and Jesus became the perfect lamb for us by dying for each and every one of us. Yes, Ranjita, that is a nice question. Any Anybody else? So
1: the Antichrist and the death both uh, are different.
0: I'm sorry, death? No, no. Antichrist is different, the angel of death is different. different. different totally different people. Two different uh, that's an antichrist who is masquerading as Christ, who, who people will think he is a real Christ. Christ has come because he's coming on the white horse and he has a crown, he has a bow. Beast is different. All different, different things. We will, as we go there we will understand. The beast is different, antichrist is different, and even uh, the rider the death is the rider of which is the death. Yeah, it's different, yeah. Signifying anything? So when we come to that chapter, we will understand that. Since I had to uh, explain this, I had to go further to understand who gave him the crown. Because many people said the crown was given by God. God cannot give a crown to such a person. So the teachings uh, can confuse many people. The crown was never given by God. The crown was given to him by the beast. The crown to the, was given to the antichrist by the beast. When we come to the, chapter 13, then you will understand who is the beast and why he gives the crown to the antichrist. Yes.
1: Now we
0: have the We the How No, it's not yet started.
1: So the
0: antichrist is They say the antichrist has already come into the world. We don't recognize. You don't recognize there are signs of wards and rumors and all that stuff. And many people who are coming and I am Christ, but I am not aware of any of that. Anyone said I'm Christ? Yeah. You heard somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. There'll be rumors of not one, there'll be rumors of many antichrists. But among the many antichrists, one will be the antichrist. Many antichrists. It is there. If you take the book of 1 John, chapter 4, I think so. It says there are many. Will come in mind. That's why he even said many will come. Many prophets. He didn't say one will come in my name. Many Antichrist will come, but in that many, there will be one, the Antichrist. So that the Antichrist will be the one who has got maximum power, and he will come out completely dressed in white. Yeah, so many of them, many will come, many will come at that time. But the main the Antichrist will come, that time we will all be aware of it. So probably the Antichrist has not come to the vision when he comes, but the other signs we can see there's wars and rumors of war, there is pestilence, there is uh, earthquake, there are uh, so many calamities taking place, there are famines in so many places, all that is already begun. So a part of it is already begun. Everything will when the whole world of the gospel is preached, then the is end will come. No, it may merge. It may merge. It starts with uh, the uh, uh, false prophets appearing so uh, many of the false prophets are appearing but the antichrist has the antichrist as such we do not know but along with it the wars famines and everything has already started the signs have already started it's not the first only the um, uh, false prophet will come then wars will happen then famine will come then earth will come they have been given in that order but when the sequence takes place you will see a mix of that happening in the world these the troubles Yes, these are the troubles and persecutions and afflictions. It's not the great tribulation. Yes, thank you. She's actually studying. Wish only who are actually studying will be able to really understand this. God bless you, Sister so Anything else? You want us to tell you? At least in Revelation chapter 6, verse, after the sixth, uh, fifth seal, we are done. Now we'll go into the actual learning of the great tribulation. We'll come into next time. Yes. Who wrote this book? Who wrote the scroll? Who wrote the scroll? You think me? Who wrote the scroll? It's the title deed of the earth. Who would have written it? In written by God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only writes everything. All everything is written by the Holy Spirit in total knowledge of God the Father and God the Son. It's the deed of the whole earth. What is going to happen to the entire earth? Was this scroll? So it was there even before the earth was created. The scroll was already there before the earth was created. The deed of the earth was made even before we all came into being. Even before anything came into existence, God had made the scroll. So this was back even before creation.
1: All of this. It's like
0: making think like the wife. God, God uh, is like all that. Happened. He let because He's given us a free will. We are given a free. He doesn't become a dictator to say that you have to follow me. When he gives, even in Deuteronomy chapter 38, I show you the blessings and I give you the curse. Choose. And then he will say, I'm telling you, choose the good. He gives them. He says, you can either choose the blessing or you can choose the curses. And he says, again I am telling you, choose the blessings, but it cannot force you, because you may, he made you, made every human being like him, gave him the same power and authority like him. He made them a co. He didn't make them like I'll be the boss and you be my subject, and what I tell you will obey. No, he made them co-heir. Adam was his partner, his co-partner in everything. And he handed the entire key of the whole world to him. So Adam was given the authority or power or the freedom to make a decision. So he knew, but God cannot be taken by surprise. It's man. Man will fall. So these things will happen. So I know what to how to make it all right too. So he knew that, so in the beginning of the thing itself, he has everything planned out. Even you know, if these people screw up so much, I know how to bring them back to me. I will give them, you know, I will give them so many options and chances so that they will know, so that the whole world, everyone will proclaim that he is a true Messiah. And then you reject him, then you have no salvation. the preaching just Everybody will get to know. No. It has to know. How will you come to know? Somebody has yes. to go and preach. No, but preach, but I might preach to other people. But if that party can't, might accept. What the rest like? They're lost. They'll so, be lost. So it's not like everybody will follow right. No, no. Just only the preaching has happened. Yeah, everybody will come to know there is Jesus and He is true God. No, then it is their decision to accept or to reject. No. But everybody will be aware. Nobody will say, I do not know. I have never heard about Jesus. Who is this Jesus? I have never heard. That will not happen. Everybody will be aware about Jesus and everybody will know that he is a true God. But not everybody will worship. But those who worship, you know, he says every tongue and every tribe, everybody, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the, uh, that is the new Jerusalem. That is a new kingdom. When we get into the new kingdom, every tongue, so that is all the saved people, so the, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Yeah? Yeah? You're getting at it? easy? Okay. Shall we just close our eyes and pray? Our Father, we thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your time uh, um, over here. Thank you, God, for uh, making this teaching happen, and thank you, God, that it's you who spoke spoke and made it very easy for everyone to understand. And as we proceed with this book of Revelation, thank you, Jesus, you increase our thirst and you increase our knowledge and you increase our desire to know everything that is present over here. That we are aware of all the signs of the times that are at present and what is going to take place and none of us will be caught by surprise. Jesus is not going to come in as a thief. Jesus is going to come in clearly and we will be waiting for him to come so that we can go back with him to the eternal house of the kingdom, the new Jerusalem that he has, he has prepared for each and every one of us, Master. Thank you, God, that you are present here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you are present here. Thank you, Mama Mary, God and Angel and all the saints that you are present over here to listen to the words spoken the Master. And I surrender everything, every part of this teaching into your hands, Master. And I cover every year that Here with the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless.